a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Passion, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions about love, sex, and relationships. So if there's anything you want to ask me, you can text me at 514-800. You can also email me anytime during the week uh, to uh, lori at drlori.com. So I will just get right on it and answer some of those questions. Feel free, send them in. And by the way, if you want to respond to any question that I'm answering or you want to give in, give your two cents or a little bit of your own advice or something that you've experienced, of course, those are always uh, welcome. Uh, here's an interesting question. I want to know how you feel about patients falling in love with their therapist. Have you ever had that experience? So, the the whole process of therapy is uh, first of all, it's a very one sided situation, right? You have you have the professional, the therapist, and the client who is sharing. That's the only person that is actually sharing, uh, and so sometimes it happens that you can have uh, a client developing feelings for a therapist, which is very normal because it's sometimes it's the one person that you open up completely to, that you allow yourself to be completely vulnerable with. And for some people, they've never had that experience uh, even in their in their personal lives. So uh, the feelings can get kind of um, confusing to say the least. And we are trained for that. We're trained to address these situations. Oftentimes they're not really, uh, it's not really falling in love with a therapist. It's much more about feeling that connection um, because of your own vulnerability, but it can get worked through. So if this is something that someone has experienced, I think it it would, uh, you could actually learn and grow through that experience if you can talk to a therapist about it. Therapists have a strict code of conduct, strict code of ethics. Uh, never, ever, ever should a therapist ever engage in a romantic relationship with a client. There is a complete imbalance of power. So it's inherent to the relationship, which is why we have very strict, uh, a strict code of conduct for that. Not that that doesn't happen unfortunately uh, it can really mess people up when when that does uh, when that does happen and any therapist who engages in any kind of behavior like this uh, would have their uh, their license uh, taken away suspended or revoked because it's completely unacceptable in our uh, in our code of ethics but we we do uh, we are trained to deal with this, so this is part of our our uh, our learning in uh, in how to become clinical psychologists. Uh, my husband will only have sex with me anymore while wearing VR goggles, so virtual reality goggles. Eye contact is a must for me, so I'm wondering if you had any tips to get him out of the goggles. First of all, this I find that completely unacceptable unless both of you are okay with it and engaging in some other some form of play where porn is there. It means that he's wearing these goggles. I don't know if he's if there's if he's watching something else in those goggles. I don't know like what is what's he what is his vision in there? Like what does he see 
with those goggles? Is it to enhance what he sees in front of him, which is you, or are there other imageries there that are going on? I think it's very important to be able to say to your partner, I need eye contact. For me, making love and having sex is enhanced by eye contact. And I cannot have you wear those goggles, or maybe you can negotiate and say, well, you know, once in a blue moon, fine. But for me, this is what I need uh, to to have satisfactory sex with you and, and to, to enjoy it. You have every right to put down your boundaries and say, this is what I want and I don't want this. So it doesn't sound like you're able to tell your partner that this is not something you want. Like you have to be, you have to assert yourself in, in your wants and your desires. Try that. If not, maybe seek the help of a counselor who can help you figure this out and maybe negotiate something uh, sexually together. 514-800, if you have any questions uh, for me about love, sex, your relationship, I'm happy to help. Uh, when your balls hang, does it mean you have a low amount of sperm? So here's the thing about testicles and, uh, and basically what you're really talking about is the sac. So the sac lowering. So normally the, the testicles, the, the sac is actually elastic. There's like, uh, there's, there's elasticity there. So generally it will relax meaning hang lower in hot weather. It retracts, meaning goes closer to the body in cold weather or during arousal and, and intercourse. With age, the, the sac itself starts to lose that elasticity so that it, it will eventually lose the ability to um, basically to, to contract. So those are facts. Like that's with age, this is what happens, and this is why you've heard talk. I think we've mentioned here before scrotal lifts, where some um, men are very uncomfortable with the fact that their testicles hang really low, and so they there is a lifting procedure that can be done by cutting away some of the loose skin. But if you think about it, think about it as it's gravity, and uh, just like breasts can will lose their the elasticity and will fall because of gravity, so will uh, scrotums. If you are uh, a young man and you're you're noticing that your uh, sack is heavy, that might indicate a problem. There might be some kind of swelling there, and it might uh, be related to some medical condition. So you should definitely uh, have that uh, checked out. And just for the record, for most on most men, the left. Uh, testicle does hang lower than the right, which is uh, perfectly, perfectly normal. As for fertility, I don't think it says anything about fertility, but we do, it is recommended that for uh, sperm production and to, to have good sperm, that the testes should be kept a, more away from the body um, because they need to be a, a cooler. If they're closer to the body, then they're, it's too warm an environment and that could affect fertility, which is why um, you hear uh, people who say, okay, if you're, if you're trying to get pregnant, you should, uh, you should wear boxers, not, uh, not uh, tight underwear, for example. So that's kind of related to that. 
Why do I soil myself when I take it from behind? Is there anything I can do to stop this? Well, first things first is you have to empty, uh, you, you have to empty your bowels. So if you feel like you need to go to the bathroom, you, you should be emptying your bowels before you engage in any kind of anal, uh, intercourse, you should probably use an anal, uh, douche also. Uh, basically that's a, like a, a pear shaped with a little syringe on the end and it's just filled with warm water and you squeeze the water into, uh, into the anus and it kind of uh, uh, cleans out uh, whatever remnants are there. But then I'm thinking also, do you have a loose sphincter muscle? So you may want to practice uh, ke- like Kegel exercises where you kind of suck it in and then release and suck it in and then uh, release. But that's something that you might want to ask a medical doctor about. And sometimes loose sphincter muscles are there because uh, people tend to um, increase the size of objects going in there and the rectum is really not elastic like the vagina is, for example. So that's uh, that may be a condition. I'm not sure how they treat that condition, but it's something that a medical doctor um, needs, uh, needs to look at. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Answering your questions tonight, uh, so a couple things. I thought douching was bad for you or unhealthy, so I was talking about anal douching. When we talk about what the, the bad douching, we talk about vaginal douching, which because women have... Uh, have the, there's mucus, whatever the, the membranes in the vagina, uh, they maintain a certain level of pH balance. It's, it's all, you know, hormones and stuff like that. And douching will strip away some of that stuff or change the pH level or change the environment of the vagina. The, the vagina is a self-cleaning organ and doesn't need douching. For anal, uh, anal play or anal intercourse, that is basically just warm water that's inserted to flush out whatever remnants of uh, fecal matter is left in there. So there are two different types that we're talking about here. Uh, and on the subject of scrotums, <laughs> this person writes, and I'm, more, I, I'm not going to answer this, I'm going to let you answer this. Do straight women actually care about men's scrotums? I'd say some guys would hope that you cared <laughs> enough to touch them and incorporate them into your lovemaking. But women, I'll ask the women out there, do you care about men's scrotums, how low they actually hang? I can tell you that some men feel self-conscious as they age as well, just like some women may feel self-conscious about more pendulous breasts. They, the men uh, feel that way about pendulous uh, uh, scrotums as well. Guys, speak up. Uh, And women too, I want to hear. Uh, this texter uh, writes, I saw that in some parts of Europe, they have meters to know that the prostitutes are there. Do you think this is a good idea? And should they have that in Montreal? 
Hmm, another uh, question to ask our listeners, how you would feel about a designated red light district. And I think this is really what you're talking about because actually was just uh, in Amsterdam not too long ago. And this, they're very known for this, uh, this one particular area that's called the red light district and, um, it's government controlled. It's, uh, it's done. There's no street walkers, no street prostitutes anywhere. Uh, you basically, there are red lights. It's true in the windows of, uh, the the women who are there so you're walking down the street and it's like think of it like a shop window but in each a small it's a small small ish uh, area uh, there's a woman there and she is not completely naked but basically trying to entice people to come into her little uh, cubicle behind her is uh, a small room with a bed or and a shower and things like that so each one has this this small area and when a customer goes into their particular door after they've seen them in the window uh, they close the curtains the red curtains uh, shut down and they uh, I think turn off the light or or what have you and then when they're done with that uh, particular customer then they move on Uh, they open up the 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 curtains again and and they're back in uh, in their windows so um, that's a red light district it's actually I like the idea that it's it's in one area also and uh, where every they are all they all get tested the sex workers have support with one another they have organizations that help them they they pay taxes it's uh, it's basically a, a job there so I mean this is a big discussion on 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 the whole prostitution thing and how it should be handled or not handled but how each city you know chooses to 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 have it in their in their city I'm not even I don't even know the words to use because there's some legalities there's some uh, um, like it's legal here but living off the avails of prostitution is not legal in some places it's it's completely legal like in in Amsterdam in Nevada and but it's all done different ways right some of them there's brothels that are okay here I don't think you're allowed to have brothels um, so it's a bit confusing as to what's allowed, what's not allowed. Well, one thing for certain, it's everywhere. Like prostitution has always been around, uh, and it will continue to be around. It's just, how is it handled in each, uh, particular, uh, city? As for the scrotum hanging is actually for the better. During doggy style, the scrotum hits me in a very good place. Helps my orgasm. Oh, this is from a woman. Uh, Having said that, my boyfriend has one ball and I accept him as he is. It's a non-issue. Yes, some men who have had either testicular cancer or maybe one uh, testicle that has not descended may find themselves with one uh, one ball. (laughs) Uh, Some men actually choose to have um, like a fake ball inserted there just to for for appearance uh, appearance sake. But there's a woman who says it actually it, it gives her pleasure, so that that kind of helps. Okay, that's good. 
Um, I am a 31-year-old male virgin and have only recently found a partner uh, who, besides my emotional needs for a partner, wish to explore the sexual side of a relationship. But there's a problem. During our first attempt, uh, after placing on a condom, I could not hold a full erection. What advice could you offer me to hold a full erection, and could it have been the condom's fault? Um, my partner has made it clear. She knows the sizes and knows I am not a normal size. I tried on a large one, but found it uh, tight. Any advice you can offer would be uh, a great help. So it sounds, okay, a couple of things. There's uh, maybe some performance anxiety. So uh, definitely you're a virgin, first time, it's been a long time. You probably built up a lot of anticipation uh, with this. And uh, then you have to, so you're worried about getting the erection. You're worried about what's about to happen. Then you have to put on a condom. And that could also cause some anxiety in terms of, uh, you know, does it fit? Is it supposed to feel this way? Is it too tight? Is, is this going to work? Or all of these things. Uh, so there's a lot of focus on the other aspects of it. And this could definitely impact your uh, capacity to have or to maintain uh, an erection. So first things first, find a condom that fits. Uh, go to a sex shop, find different ones. Now they make all different sizes. I can tell you the company One, One Condoms, has, I don't remember how many different sizes, but it's like dozens of different sizes. And I, they even have some kind of, if you go online, they'll, they, I guess they help you kind of measure which one is for you. But many companies now uh, do that. They, they, they have a, a variety of sizes because they want to offer the best, uh, the best comfort. There's also different thinness and different uh, sensations and all of that. When you're putting on the condom or ask your partner to help you with the condom, continue stimulation. That will also help. And know that it's normal that for your first sexual encounters, it may not be perfect. It will be anxiety provoking. You may lose that erection. And I think you need to be able to have this discussion um, with your partner. Is it true, this person writes, in a relationship, the women like to have power and take charge in more ways than one? I have no clue what you're asking me here, but that would be quite the generalization. What do you mean? In, in bed, in housework, in, in what? I don't think it's that women like to have power, uh, I think some women might enjoy that and some men certainly would enjoy that kind of power, but what kind of power dynamic are we talking about here? So this to me is a bit confusing and a little bit too, uh, too general uh, of, a, of a question. I'm dating a woman for a year now. She says she loves me. Uh, I am separated. She claims she is separated but still has regular sex with her ex-husband. She says she doesn't want to have sex with me. She is not ready. What do I do? Bail or stay in the relationship? Okay, uh, clearly this person is not fully available to you. 
So where are your boundaries? Like, is this okay with you in any way, shape or form? Um, it sounds like to me, she's still attracted to her ex in, in some way, or I don't know, maybe for some reason she can't say no to him. Is there some fear there? Does she, does she still live with him? Does she still love him? Like talk, think about yourself. What is it that you want? If you are looking for a relationship, uh, a committed relationship, then why are you chasing after someone who isn't, you know, barely separated and still keeps going back to an ex-partner? You're asking to be hurt along the way here. So think about what it is you want and go for what you want and don't accept, have like have boundaries. Don't accept things that are not okay for you. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight, the night I answer your questions, 514-800. You have until 11 o'clock to get your questions in. You can send them by text. You can call in at 514-790-0800. Although most people I know prefer to text in. Or you can also email me to laurie at drlaurie.com. I'm writing to ask you, in your opinion, whether when a woman really squirts, it equates to a real female orgasm. I'm in a new sexual relationship and have really let go for the first time in my life and have been exploding. It's a different feeling than a clitoral orgasm. So a little bit, uh, let me talk to you a little bit about this. Of course, it equates to a real orgasm. There's all orgasms are real, whether they, uh, they arise out of clitoral stimulation, penetration, G-spot orgasm with a vibrator, with a hand, with a, with a mouth, whatever it is there, they all are real orgasms. And many of us believe an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. It doesn't really matter what the, um, the source of the stimulation gets you to that point, but those two might feel differently. So, um, oftentimes the, the, uh, female ejaculation response is associated with, uh, the, with internal, um, stimulation usually of what we would call the G-spot, that area, although now we know it's probably closer to the stimulation of the internal part of the, uh, of the clitoris. So we know that there's nerve fibers in that area that when uh, stimulated could produce this response. So the thing is a lot of women hold back. They get the urge it feels like an urge to urinate, but actually it's not urine, even though, but because it comes out of the same place, the urethra, and it does go through the bladder to get there, it, the same sensation, there is that sensation, but the, when women do let go and they allow themselves to have that feeling, then yes, there's an expulsion of fluid from the urethra. No, they are not peeing, um, and it is associated with a more intense orgasm. So lots of women talk to me about this. Like they get to a point where, uh oh, they feel like they have to pee. Um, 
and then they get afraid. They, they're afraid that they're, I'm going to pee all over my partner or this is going to be embarrassing or I'm not explain this. And so they don't understand the, the mechanism that is, that is happening there. So that's great. So keep at it. It may not happen every time and don't necessarily make it the goal every time. And I, you know, some people are like, how do I make my partner squirt? Well, if only it was that simple, you can't make her do anything. As you see in this text, she says, I, I have really let go for the first time. She's in control of that letting go. So it isn't just the, the stimulation that you provide or how great a lover you are, if you're hitting the right spot, but she's in control of letting that go. Uh, Dr. Laura, I'm a healthy 60 year old dating a younger woman. What's better Viagra or Cialis? What I read online, Viagra acts fast and lasts about four hours. Cialis lasts 36 hours. I mean, how does it work? You take the pill and you get an erection? No, that's not how it works actually. So, uh, if that were the case, it would mean that it would act independently of your arousal, right? So for any of these drugs to work, whether it's Cialis, Viagra, Levitra, then, uh, you need stimulation. You need to be aroused. You need to be touched. You need to have that stimulation. It just helps the blood flow there, but it doesn't just flow there spontaneously and create an erection, nor does the erection last for four hours or 36 hours in the case of Cialis. So Viagra is specific. You take it like 45 minutes before, for example, or an hour before, what have you, there's certain restrictions on the uh, not drinking and not having a heavy meal beforehand. And so you, it needs to be planned out a whole lot more, right? You, you kind of have to know that, okay, we're going to have sex in two hours, for example. With Cialis, uh, that came about because they wanted to find something that had the same action uh, on the penis, but would allow for more spontaneity. So uh, Cialis can be taken and it's actually good for 48 hours. So it, it's, they call it the weekender drug because it, it stays effective for 48 hours. It doesn't mean that for the next two days or three days, you're going to keep this erection. It just means that you will be ready throughout those, uh, at, at any point during those, uh, those 36 or 48 hours. So that's basically how it works. So it does not work independently of uh, arousal. Some men experience, uh, side effects that they find tolerable and some men don't find it so tolerable, whether it's a headache or flushing or any of that. And sometimes it doesn't work right off the bat. You have to try it several times, not in the same sitting, by the way, not in the same day. Um, but you may have to try it several times before, uh, before it works. So, uh, and if this method doesn't work, like if Viagra doesn't work, you may want to try Cialis. If that doesn't work, then uh, you have to talk to your doctor about different options. Please get a prescription for it. Don't get it online. Uh, get a prescription. Make sure you talk to your doctor. Make sure your pharmacist knows about it and knows about all the other drugs that you're taking, that you're not on nitrates or anything for your heart, that everything is cross-checked uh, so that you stay safe. The dangers are when we buy things online, we think that they're natural or good or, or what have you. And we don't, we don't realize that there are drug interactions. So that part is, um, 
it's really important. Uh, what's the average size of a male penis? Wow, I haven't had this question in, in, in a little bit of time, I think, but sometimes we get that almost uh, every night. Isn't that, this is like one topic that so many men are uh, curious about. But let's just say that the average erect length worldwide is somewhere between five and six inches. So, or somewhere in the middle of that. That's pretty much the average. And the girth is between four and a half to five and a half inches in girth around. Okay. Um, but that's it. That, that's, that's where you're, uh, that is the average in the world. I recently encountered some performance issues. I've never had trouble getting it up before what happened. So occasional erectile dysfunction, which is, I think what you're really talking about, uh, does happen to almost all men at some point in their lives. Sometimes your mind is ready and willing, but your body is not delivering. It's just not uh, responding. Now, erection difficulties can be caused by a lot of factors. Uh, age is one of them. We've talked about that a lot, but stress, health issues, uh, medications that you're taking, drugs, alcohol. These are all things that you uh, want to consider, or it might just be you're, th you're worrying about something, something is happening. But if it, this is not a recurrent problem, it, this is just like a one-off thing that happens occasionally, it's perfectly normal and nothing to worry about. If it's something that reoccurs, then you absolutely need to seek uh, help from a medical professional uh, who will actually do tests and make sure that everything is okay. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Last couple of minutes in to get your questions to me at 514-800. Sex toys intrigue me. I want to try them, but do men use sex toys? The answer is uh, yes. Uh, in fact, sex toy purchases uh, generally are split between the genders. So 50% are bought by men, 50% bought by women. And uh, many men use sex toys with their partners. We've talked about the Wee Vibe before, which is one that uh, gets inserted into the woman, but also pleasures the man at the same time. Also, uh, penis rings are often used uh, by men. Uh, there are also types of toys like th that are masturbation aids, basically, like the Fleshlight. I don't know if people have heard... Um, about that. Some of them are inspired by po uh, female uh, porn stars. So they're kind of uh, like, uh, like fake genitals, basically, um, that look like the external genitalia of some of their people's favorite porn stars, I guess, something like that. Uh, so there's um, men will buy things like uh, uh, prostate uh, stimulators as well. That uh, seems to be one of the things that are more uh, getting to be more and more popular as we start talking about uh, prostate uh, stimulation and anal stimulation and all of that. 
Uh, I've seen some femdom videos, so female domination videos. Aside from judging whether people are into this or not, I've seen people hitting and slapping the penis. The penis to me is a fragile organ. Is this a safe practice? So many men are having erection issues. So when you see these videos, they're usually with professional dominatrix. And of course, they know it may look like it's painful or bad or what have you, but there's, they know the limits of where, uh, you know, when to, when it would do damage or not. So the penis is not that fragile, except that with rigorous intercourse, if it, if the penis gets hit, if think of, uh, uh, the penis erect hitting a wall straight up, like straight on it, right? With an erect penis. Think of a, a, like missing the entrance of the vagina, for example, and then bending like a, a real crack and bend in the penis. Like this is how men can break, in fact, their penis. And they hear a big popping noise and it's very, very painful. And it's not a bone, but it's still called a, a breaking of the penis. This, that's where people really damage uh, their penis or if something falls on their penis or what have you. But I think the way that it's done here in terms of slapping it around is not, uh, is not going to cause any erection, uh, uh, difficulties. Another video I saw goes on. The femdom had two men, one catering to her feet and the other washing her floors on hands and knees. That I could get into. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, Dr. Lori, what are your thoughts on labiaplasty? So labiaplasty basically are women who will go in and ask uh, a, a doctor or a cosmetic specialist to trim their, uh, their labia. I have a bit of an issue with this because I find that, um, women are often influenced by they what they see in porn. And oftentimes in porn, the porn stars and what have you have, they, I call them cookie cutter vulvas basically, because they all kind of look the same and they're not, uh, they're not really real. They're like Barbie, like Barbie doll vulvas. If you look at human like the range of the different types of labia out there. There are so, so many. They're just as different in everybody's nose, okay? So, but there are women who have a lot of extra skin or or um, large labia that actually interferes with uh, with their clothing or with, uh, makes pain, sex, uh, uncomfortable or makes sitting down uncomfortable or wearing tight clothes uncomfortable. And that to me is a condition that, that can be dealt with well with labiaplasty, but I have a, a difficult time with women young, especially really young women who look at themselves and say, oh, there's a protrusion. It shouldn't protrude. Yes, it should. It's supposed to. But if it causes discomfort, that's a whole other thing. So I want to do like a, I think everybody should have a bit of a psychological evaluation to figure out what's actually, what's actually motivating these young women to ask for this, because this is what we're seeing is that young women are asking for this. Uh, Dr. Lurie, I realize you're not a medical doctor, but do you know whether the diabetes drug Janumet re uh, reacts with either Viagra or Cialis? I don't know. 
you're right, I'm not a medical doctor, so I, I, I won't uh, answer this question, but the person who can answer this would definitely be uh, your uh, pharmacist. I know that diabetic men uh, use Viagra or Cialis. I've known plenty. I just don't know if they're on that particular uh, drug. But any drug you take, you should always ask the pharmacist, are there any sexual side effects? Could I take this with this drug? And they always uh, cross-check, which is why it's really important not to get stuff online and to, to get your things, your medication, through a prescription so that your pharmacist has a record of, uh, of all of this. Um, professional femdom, I don't think so. There are many amateur vet. Yeah, that's true. There are uh, people who do this, uh, uh, on amateur, but again, if it's causing pain to the person, uh, I, I guess the person has to stay, uh, you know, red light stop or whatever their safe word is, I suppose. Uh, what other questions? Uh, let's see. Do I have time? I think I have time for one more. I have an odd problem. I'm a fetishist and I'm self-conscious about it. It interferes with my finding a relationship because I worry that if I tell the woman about it, they may view me as a creep or worse. Tell all my friends. Is there a place I can go to, website or whatever, where I can meet like-minded individuals and maybe learn to accept my oddities? Absolutely. There are so many websites available for people with all kinds of fetishes. Uh, FetLife is a good one to start with. So FetLife, uh, F-E-T-L-I-F-E. Um, where you probably will meet uh, other people, look, you can see forums of people talking, uh, groups of whatever your fetish is. I, you don't say what your fetish is, so I, I, I really don't know. But you can certainly find like-minded people or people who are okay with the, that particular, uh, that particular fetish. So it might, yeah, it might facilitate things uh, for you for sure. That's it for the questions. You can send in your questions anytime during the week. Uh, I answer them at the beginning of every show, so feel free to send them in to lori at drlori.com or wait to the beginning of the show and text them in at 514-800. Thank you all so much for spending your uh, precious time with me. Thanks to our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff, tonight. If you want to connect with me on social media, it's at Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.